Hi there, it's Margaret. Today you're going to hear from Melanie Chadwick, who describes her creative practice as playful, evolving, and lively. In addition to being an illustrator and fine artist, Melanie has a podcast called Creative Catch-Up with Natasha Newton. She publishes vlogs on her YouTube channel, and she offers classes and workshops. During our conversation, we talk about having an anchor in your life that grounds you and frees you to explore and engage your curiosities, her love of maps and place, and how our art workshops help businesses and organizations gain confidence and generate ideas. And I loved to hear how she always makes time to get outside for windy walks on the Lizard Peninsula to sketch the cottages and wild places. So without further ado, let's hear from Melanie. Hi, I'm so happy to have Melanie Chadwick here today. She's a full-time illustrator and designer living and working in Cornwall, England. Welcome. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Okay, yeah. So I was going to say buckle up because it's going to be a long one. Uh, Hopefully not too long, but hopefully also interesting as well. I've always been creative. And as a child, I did a lot of little creative things. And I remember when I was three that I made a dragon out of egg boxes. And then when I was five or six, I remember drawing and doing a landscape. And do you remember how like kids, they will draw the land at the bottom and then they'll put the sky at the top. And then I suddenly realized that I could connect the sky with the land. And then suddenly I had this I I just, I thought it was amazing. I suddenly thought, wow, I've now got a proper landscape. And so things like that kind of, yeah, I've really, I really remember. And then when I was 10, I had an American cousin. uh, Well, she came over from America and she introduced me to bubble lettering. So this is when your lettering is, it, it becomes 3D, almost 3D. And so that just made me go, wow. And I wanted to letter everything. So that was really exciting. And then uh, in my teenage years, I did study art. I did, in the UK, we have GCSEs. I'm not sure what you have um, elsewhere in the States, but <laughs> we had GCSEs and I did art for, art for GCSE. And then I also did it for A-level but I wasn't allowed to do it in school because my parents wanted me to do academic subjects. So I had to do my art A-level in the evening in a college, you know, so on top of my other subjects. So, yeah, I I really felt like I had to um, not fight, but just kind of show that I was determined to do art um, and then I went on and did a fine art degree. Yeah. At university? At university. And the subjects, fine art, I studied, well, I did a whole mix of stuff. Um, and I also did a foundation year, which was brilliant because it opened me up to so many different art mediums. We did a whole load of different things. Um, we did photography. We did mixed media, collage, we did fashion stuff and drawing. And I just loved that year. And then on my actual degree course, I kind of specialised in installation, 
which is basically building environments for people to come in and experience. And I did that for three years and I really loved it. It was a great time of experimentation and just working out, playing and working out where I could go creatively. So what was the catalyst that sent you into illustration? Okay, yes. So after my finished my degree, I started making bags because I was like, how am I going to actually make some money? So, <laughs> and okay. um, it was whilst I was making bags and I also took on a part-time position in a school doing visual arts. So I, I did all the visual displays and I led workshops for kids. We, my husband, I got married uh, soon after my degree ended and he had the call to go to Hong Kong um, because he works or worked in a church. He was a youth pastor and he felt that he was being called to Hong Kong. So we went to Hong Kong and then when we're in Hong Kong, this is where illustration comes into it because as I was um, walking around, seeing the place, there were just so many, so much art around the place. I don't know why I hadn't noticed it before, like um, in the UK, but maybe it's just because it's a different environment and you tend to see things differently when you are in a different culture. So I was just noticing in like in the shopping malls, loads of art, illustration. I noticed on products, I noticed it on just banners buildings and it switched it on in my mind I was like what is this <laughs> I want to I want to do what 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 this is so I that's when I kind of got plugged into illustration and it was when we moved back to the UK we moved to Aberdeen in Scotland and I started to kind of work on the illustration side and just started to build a business around that so I would teach um, art classes to kids I set up workshops for kids and did art parties and then I also taught art to adults after work so I went into in Aberdeen there's a big oil industry and um, a lot of people work in the oil companies and I basically went in and taught art to them after their work so that was really fun oh interesting so from what I've seen on your website on Instagram you are definitely an illustrator but also a fine artist so there are these two sides to this it's sort of a mix of getting a freelance job and being directed somewhat what to do. And I think of a lot of fine artists that I've talked to who really work from, from their heart, from whatever is speaking to them, from their emotion or their feeling. Can you talk a little bit about what happens with those two types of, I don't know, assignments versus like working in a sketchbook? Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So or maybe tell us a little bit about those two things that you do first. Okay, I will endeavor to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so illustration does pay, you know, my bills. 
And so I, I do work with a lot of clients and it brings in a lot of different work, varied work. And I really actually enjoy that. And I think that suits me because I I don't have, it's not that I have a short attention span. It's just that I like the variety and that changing between different materials and working to a brief, I find really, really helps me because it I, I see an end goal I get an, I get to an end point it's and so that I think that's that's really good for me and are you given some parameters too for the project right so yeah. it doesn't all have to come out of your head oh no 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 with the client work it is very much they have an idea of what they would like in their mind and then we work together in order to get to a finished point. And sometimes some clients will have a very definite idea. They might see something in my portfolio and think, I really like the work you did for them. I want something exactly the same. And obviously I'll have to say, well, it won't be exactly the same, but it will be in that style, you know, that you've seen. And actually that's fine because then actually I I know exactly what they want it's harder when a client actually says, oh, I like all your stuff and I don't really know what I want, but <laughs> can you give it to me? And then that's actually, that is a bit trickier because it, because I work in quite a few different ways. Yeah, it's a lot harder then to give them what they want because they don't know what they want. Yeah, with clients, you are serving them. It's more about serving them and helping them with you know what they want to have that may be representing their brand or their business or you know what they want to achieve what's the most nerve-wracking thing about doing work for a client who says I love everything that you do what worries you the most about that is that you won't then give them exactly what they do want so it can be a bit if it's too wide, it you end up not having a focus and it's a bit like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Mm-hmm. And if I do have a client like that, I do try to press them to give me at least a mood board or, you know, we, I tell them, go on Pinterest, go and find some visuals that are standing out to you I get them to think about well are there colors that you're drawn to is there a look an aesthetic I tell them to go through my work and actually pick certain things that they like and try to tell me why they like them because the more info that I have the easier it is then for me then to say okay that's what they're after that's why they're choosing that and then I can actually give them actually what they want rather than it, it's all too, it's too, too big otherwise, and they won't get what they want. Thanks for digging down deeper with me on that. And you said the second part was fine the, art, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I think about, I watch you do your sketches. Oh, you have these beautiful short videos of you walking out to on the peninsula or on the coast, just this wild, great weather and paths and 
And then you sit down with your sketchbook and you're drawing beautiful, beautiful sketches of the scenery that you see. So I think of that as very different from the illustration work that you do. Yeah, I mean, it is, I find it's more personal work and it's my personal, I'm looking at something that's in front of me and I'm interpreting it and it's coming out on the paper or it's coming out through the materials that I use. It's very cathartic, is that the right word? So it's, yeah, it's, it's, you can, I relax when I do it. I'm not having to work to a brief. I'm, I'm just kind of doing it. I'm kind of in the flow. So I'm looking at what's in front of me. There's no kind of barrier. It's just like letting my hand do the, the response. And I, I love it. I really do love it. And I often find that I try and battle sometimes this perfectionism that I have had, but I feel is is being squashed the more that I kind of let go of of how I think something should look. And I'm just, yeah, being there in the moment. And I think when I work in my sketchbook, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm kind of just being there and not worrying about the end result and not getting stuck, not overthinking. And I think that's why I like to do it in quite quick, quick bouts. I don't want to overthink it. I don't want to, like, I'm not a person who works in my sketchbook with a pencil first. I'm not someone who's tentatively trying to draw out all of the bits first before I then come in and start, you know, adding everything. It's, I just grab the pens and I just draw and I just do it instinctively and I'm just responding there and then to what I see. So there's no room for me to start fussing or start kind of going, oh, no, that's the wrong colour. Oh, no, that's, no, I shouldn't put that there. You know, it's kind of like, nope, just get it on the page and just do it. And I feel there's a lot of freedom in that. And... Maybe it is like an anti, what's the antidote to the client work? It's a balance, but I need both. I definitely need both because I enjoy working to brief, but then this sketchbook stuff just is a release from that and it's the opposite. But together, they, they're part of me. I, I, I see both in me. Yeah, they really seem to complement each other. Do you ever think about the setting in which you are doing each of those things? So I'm guessing illustration, you're inside your studio. Yeah. It's a more controlled environment. And when you're out with your sketchbook, maybe you sketch inside, I don't know. But everything I've seen, when, you, when you're outside with your sketchbook, there's this wildness, right? And this freedom and you know, you're out in the, out in the air and in the natural world. So uh, it, it seems like, I don't know what to say about that, but do you have thoughts about that? Yeah. I mean, I feel awake one <laughs> yeah. when I'm out, out in the wild. I'm like, my whole senses are awakened. So like everything is alert to what's going on around me. So it's like a completely sensory experience. And that is important, I think, for me. Uh, and again, it's a contrast, a complete contrast to working 
in the studio environment, which is very controlled, which, you know, I can control the heating, I control the lighting, I can control what I listen to. Um, whereas when I'm outside, I am losing that control completely. I can't control the weather, I can't control the lighting, I can't control the temperature. I can't control what I'm hearing because I don't like to wear anything in my ears when I'm outside because I like to hear, you know, the birds or whatever is going on. So <laughs> you're you're taking away all of the control. And um, yeah, I, I, it just makes me feel alive and awake to what's going on around me and in the moment. Yeah. I love that so much. I love that like on paper, if you were to describe this and read about it, it sounds contradictory, these two yeah. things that you're doing. But in fact, I think a lot of us need those two separate things that to be completely wild all of the time might be too much for some people and you need to temper it with the other. So how cool that you have both those things. Yeah. You, you know what I was thinking? It's a little bit like having a bungee rope you know, have you ever done a bungee jump? Oh my goodness, no, never, never, <laughs> never. <laughs> I did. I've done one bungee jump, and oh. I did it in 2007. And I went. It was whilst we were in Hong Kong, and we went over to Macau, which is a little island off Hong Kong. And there's a Macau Tower, and I think it's 233 feet or something. And I went to the top. They were running bungee jumps from it, and my husband was with me, and he was like. It was my birthday. And he said, so what do you want to do for your birthday? And I was like, I want to jump off that tower. <laughs> oh, wow. Good for you. So I, I hadn't done it before, but there was just something in me that was like, I've got to do it. It's just, I've got to jump. And um, so, yeah, when you're right at the top of the tower, you can feel so confident before. But then when you're actually, because you have to walk out to an, a ledge and I'm telling you, you know, there's no turning back because you can't turn out because you're like all fixed up. They've gone through all of the checks, you know, you're, everything's all ready. And so I just couldn't turn back, but I wanted to at that point. But instead, I just stood there and I jumped and I screamed, but man, what a feeling. And the thing oh. is, you know, the bungee rope is going to, it's going to, it's going to save you. Okay, so it's always with you, but <laughs> but the experience, you're never going to get that experience any other way. I have anxiety just <laughs> listening to you. How but brave. I, but I mean, after that, I just felt like on cloud nine because it's the adrenaline that you get from doing that. But I, yeah, it's just a bit like that, really. You kind of kind of have this, you need an anchor. And then if you've got that anchor, you feel free to go and explore, to go and do things. That's a wonderful way to put it. Yeah. Okay. You do these workshops and two things I want to talk about. One, you talked about doing workshops in illustration and sketching and you work with businesses and organizations too. Okay, this is cool. You say art workshops can be used to help your group facilitate discussion, generate ideas, enable timeout, and give confidence and direction to those taking part. 
I think it's so cool that you talk about the impact of art and talk about the impact of sketching and doing something creative and how it can affect an organization. Can you talk a little bit about your work there and why you feel passionate about that? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I just, again, it's, it's about taking people out of their heads and into the moment. And I found like a lot of adults when they're first coming to an art class or haven't been doing art for a long time in their head, they have a lot of fear or, and a lot of voices that will say, you can't do that. Um, you're not good enough. I don't know why you're bothering, you know, and I often find that actually when adults come to my classes, it's a lot of unpicking. I have to unpick all of those negative voices and give them that boost to just go and do it, to just try it and just to, just to, yeah, just let go of that and do it. And I just see so, I, I just see the change, the transformation that happens from, you know, someone who would be quite timid at start and, and feeling like very, I've got to do it in a certain way. So I'd often have people say, oh, is this right? Oh, is this the right way to do it? And I'm like, there isn't a right way to do it. You've just got to do it. The wrong way is not doing it at all, really. But, <laughs> but you know, you're just having to coach people just to get get going with it, to not be afraid to make a mark on the paper, to not be afraid of making mistakes, to see mistakes as part of the process. And I guess when you can get people to do that and they and they start um, seeing progress, because the more you do, the better you will naturally get, they, they can then gain in confidence. And that's what I see. I see people gaining in their own confidence. You see that then filtrating into other areas rather than, you know, just art. I, th I think it's transferable. Once you once you have that confidence, you can transfer it into other areas. So that's why I think it's important. And and art and doing art is is it's it's not like bungee jumping, is it? It's not an extreme sport. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you're not going to lose a lot, are you? If you if you um, do make mistakes, so. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like that, but some people do take it so seriously and get so panic stricken by being creative, right? It's all those inner voices that we hear. And sometimes it's not an external extreme sport, but it feels internally like an extreme sport sometimes mm -hmm. when you have to give up all of that control. And it's, yeah. there's all this fear there that you can't see. And yeah. so it feels not real because you can't really quantify it or touch it. It's not tangible. I don't know. Oh, I think it's wonderful that you're doing that. <clears throat> I once taught improv to scientists. Oh, wow. I was part of a, I taught part of a class and, you know, to see researchers and scientists be tightly wrapped in their own 
I mean, and they are very creative. You have scientists have to be very creative in order to come up with new ideas and hypotheses. It's all about generating ideas, right? But to see these kids like try and do improv was so funny. Some of them were just terrified. But afterwards, the look on their face, you're right. And the confidence, like their whole demeanor changed afterwards. Yeah. It's really yeah. amazing to watch, isn't it? It is. I actually remember doing drama and improvisation. That was my favorite, actually. I, I remember, how, yeah, it is a really, it's quite terrifying, though. I do remember that because you worry what everyone's going to think of you or, you know, you think you're going to come out with something that is is going to be stupid or you're going to be laughed at. Or, But if everyone is, like, open, everyone is accepting of everyone else, it's actually a lot of fun and you, you get a lot of laughter. I remember laughing so much in my um, improvisation classes. Yeah. That's yeah. And that's what, that's the kind of like environment that I like to create or try to create in my workshop. So we, um, before uh, COVID, because uh, things are very different now, but before that we did meet, that was a, we met in coffee shops and it was very relaxed. You know, people could buy cake coffee eat that and then we would have a subject that I would bring and then people would I would show people how we would be drawing it or just ideas just to get people warmed up we would have quick exercises ways to just get down something warm people up and then you just find that people relaxed and they enjoyed it and they had tea coffee they were the environment was nice and people were doing it together. And I think, yeah, it makes such a difference when you're in that kind of environment to actually producing work that you're really enjoying. And I, I often say it's not always the end result. It's the, the process. It's the making and the creating of what you're doing, not always the end. And that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about live illustration. I read about this too, and I'm going to let you explain it, but I'm fascinated by this process, this tool that you use. Can you explain it? Um, I've only really used it a few times, but it's basically where, um, say like a group gets together and they want to talk about ideas that they've got, then they may invite an illustrator along to then interpret visually what the group's saying so instead of just verbally talking about it they're getting an illustrated broken down visual so at the end of the time they can see on boards what they've talked about but it's all visually there for them so are you like a scribe while they're talking you're standing up with a whiteboard or you know with I don't know. What do you use? <laughs> I, I just use, I mean, I just use foam boards, but you could probably yeah. use uh, whiteboards or other people would use um, iPads, you know, like um, on their iPads and then it'd be projected. But however, it is just like what you said, it's scribing, scribing what's been said, but it's not in note form. It's in a visual interpretation of it. And because like people... Icons. Because people take in information in many different ways and remember information in many different yeah. ways. Oftentimes, you know, if I'm in a meeting and someone's taking notes on a word document and they're just writing, 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 I can't absorb it 
as readily. So I have to go back and read it again. But seeing something visual would let me absorb it immediately. That is so cool. That's yeah. really neat. Yeah, I mean, I definitely uh, um a visual learner. And whenever I listen as well, I also have to write things down and doodle. Yeah. So- oh, I bet. <laughs> Your doodles will sell for lots of money someday. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about the different types of illustration you do? I'm really interested in how you got interested in maps. Okay. Food. Who doesn't love food? But yeah. Well, it's yeah, I guess I've been illustrating for 10 years, 10 years now. And, um, yeah, I was noticing what I was interested in, things that kept coming up or things that I would like go, oh, I really want to draw that. And I I really, really love places, locations, environments. And so I was beginning to see that I, you know, what where would you see all of that? You'd see it in a map. And so that's something that I was just drawn to. And I realized that that could work as a, you know, it's a a whole uh, market on its own in illustration is doing maps. And, you know, I've always loved maps. Uh, As a youngster, I did um, the Duke of Edinburgh Award, which um, in the UK is quite a big thing. Um, Sadly, the Duke died just recently but yeah that was I did that through my teenage years so I did the bronze silver and gold and basically you do a lot of different activities you but one of the main things is that you go out on expedition and you use a map to um, find out the area to work out where you are to navigate it orienteering that kind of thing and then you camp also out in the wild you do it in groups so you're not completely alone but um I remember my gold award I was the only female who was um doing it and I had a group of boys to do this exercise with and I remember one time we went up a mountain and the fog came down and (laughs) I think all of the guys started crying really funny because these guys you know in school were the the guys you know you know kind of came across uh-huh. very you know big and that but the, the moment the fog came down it was like ah! <laughs> <laughs> so I found that quite funny obviously I I just kind of was like chuckling to myself because I didn't really have someone to talk to about it but <laughs> anyway that's funny I, yeah, so I've always had an interest in maps in some way and travel and walking. I love walking. It's just something I've always done. My dad was a rambler, um, which is, do you know what a rambler is? Just Tell someone, us. It's just someone who walks the countryside. They get called ramblers. You can join rambling clubs, so you just kind of walk. <laughs> I could be a rambler. Yeah. Yeah. You probably could. If you enjoy walking and you just... Uh, like to go trek off somewhere then yeah but yeah you can see can't you that actually that fits with me mm-hmm. anyway I I like to explore I like to walk so maps maps is it's a good fit in terms of what I like doing 
And so, yeah, I work with a lot of different clients with on maps, maybe for festivals or like, for instance, I've got an ongoing client where they it's a beer, a beer magazine and they focus on different areas of the the world, different places where the beer is created or and made. And then I make a map to show people where that place is. And I always like, you know, finding out new things about a place. So they'll tell me where the area is. And then basically I will research the area, look at the environment, look at landmarks, you know, maybe tourist attractions, maybe the food of a place. And then you tie it all together in a visual, which is the map that I create. I love seeing all the depth and the research that goes into illustration. This shows my own ignorance, but when I see an illustration that I like, an icon, a graphic, something, I think of someone sitting in front of their computer, a graphic designer, right? Coming up with the color palette, the, you know, just, just the actual textual and all the elements that go into it, but not researching the place and all of that. So that's really cool. Thank you for sharing that with us. Maybe that happens all the time and I just don't know. (laughs) I I think with any brief, um, you know, any client work, there is a lot of research that goes into it. And I think people don't, don't realize that, Mm -hmm. um, that it isn't just random colors that are picked. It isn't just fonts that are just gone. Oh, I like that one. It, everything is all connected. And with a map, you can definitely see that everything is connected. So even down to the color palette, it might be influenced by the flag of the country, you know, or the colors that the country identifies with, you know, that you can bring in then to the map. There's always normally a thread that runs through the map and nothing is really that random. Everything is picked for a reason. It's just whether you want to look for that reason or not. It's... (laughs) Yeah, right. if you do, it, you know, it's like if you do pick at it, you will find, yeah, there is a thread through it all. My big question about the work that you do for food illustration is do you get samples? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Oh, that's a bummer. I, I guess yeah, I guess samples don't pay the bills, so no. that's probably okay. Yeah. <laughs> Although, <laughs> yeah, I did um, some illustrations for Cornish sea salt um so basically they're little salt pots and um, we actually do have a lot of the pots here and I've got to say they are very tasty they add a lot to the food so and they didn't give them to me so (laughs) but I do enjoy yeah sampling sometimes the food that I'm yeah helping to create or package so can we talk about obsessions something that bubbles up in you all the time that you can't seem to let go of that finds its way into your creative work? Now I found, I found this tricky because obviously I feel like there's a, I do a lot of different things or I feel like I like to do different things. Like you've already said, I do digital work. I do more fine art based work. We've talked about my themes of maps and exploring and journeys and paths and that kind of thing and those are kind of themes that I think that you know 
come in and out. One thing I don't think I've really talked about is my faith and spirituality. And that is a big thing that's been in my life since childhood, really. And and I would say that that is something that's been a constant. And although it doesn't manifest its way, you know, really literally in my work, you know, I'm not like drawing Bible stories or kind of <laughs> trying to draw the cross or things like that. It manifests its work in the way that I'm interested in this world. I'm, I love what I, I love nature. I love things around me. I love exploring. I love meeting people, hearing people's stories. And I think that's what's helped me do that because I don't have uh, a fear, I guess. I feel like my faith helps take away that fear that I might have of exploring the unknown or reaching out to people or, yeah, see, seeing something different. Yeah, so I, I don't know if that answers the question or <laughs> Of course. When you were talking, I thought about your analogy with the bungee cord and how there's this base, right, and this foundation yeah. to everything else. So maybe yeah. your faith in your spirituality is like that foundation that allows you to be present in everything else that you do. Yeah, I think I think you are right in that. And I think it is an anchor. It's not a heavy weighted. It doesn't feel heavy. My faith doesn't feel heavy. It actually, it feels light. It feels like gives me the freedom to do it. It doesn't restrict me. Yeah, so I, I, I feel that there's, I need, I need the anchor, but it, I feel there's a lot of cord. <laughs> that's lovely. That's, a, that's really lovely. Thank you for sharing that. Is there something in your practice that is particularly challenging for you? Mm. Rest. Oh, <laughs> rest. Yeah. I'll try not to laugh. Um, yeah, just rest, just taking time. My husband's very good at it. Can I just say <laughs> he's an example of it? <laughs> yeah. I did find myself wondering how you accomplish all the things that you do. And it's not like one, you know, for a month or two, you go out and you do sketching. And for the next month you do, you know, your digital art. And the next month you decide you're going to go wander a path somewhere. And the next month you're going to do that. You're doing all of this at once. Teaching, <laughs> right? Just everything. I think, does the woman ever sleep? And maybe the mm. answer is no. <laughs> I do. Uh, otherwise I'd just be a zombie, I think. But it is something that I need to work on at times is just to rest because if I don't rest, then I burn out and then I'm no use to anyone at all. So I do like, before we chatted, I actually went and went for a walk, but I didn't take my sketchbook. I didn't take my art materials. And it meant then that I was just able to enjoy the surroundings and not think I've got to, you know, interpret what I see. So definitely walking just for the pleasure of walking, it gives me a break and takes me away from the screen, takes me away from the art. 
and gives me the time just to reset myself. So, yeah, it's just I know that that's a, a weakness or, or something that I struggle with at times is just to rest, just to pause, not feel like I've got to keep going because I'm just so excited. But <laughs> It is. There are so many exciting things to do every day. Yeah. Yeah, it is. There are a lot of things and lots of opportunities. But I've got to also remember it's it's all, again, it, it comes back to, yeah, just knowing that things are in time, you know, that things are in, like it come back to my faith as well, you know, it's in God's time, not in my time. So I've just got to relax. I was listening to a podcast on creativity and they were talking about how, my interpretation, creativity sort of flourishes when you're thinking outside your comfort zone and your brain has to go down these different paths. And one way to do that is you have to have space. Creativity will never come up if you are busy all the time. I think probably one of the things that does save you is when you go out with your sketchbooks because you are out walking, you are having this yeah. space around you that allows you to have something else bubble up yeah, right inside of you and those ideas. So it's so important to take time away from whatever work that yeah. you're doing. You Interesting you said that actually because I only started keeping a sketchbook in 2017, I moved, we moved from Falmouth to Port Levin to begin with. So Port Levin is just a little bit up from the lizard. And it was whilst I was there that I suddenly felt the urge to go out and draw from my surroundings and especially the houses and the little Cornish, well, just the Cornish cottages. Something about them just made me want to draw them. And that's when I started then keeping my sketchbooks and started that kind of routine of going out and drawing. And I think that really, really helped me because I was feeling those years before that I was in Falmouth, I wasn't sketching, I wasn't drawing, I wasn't taking in my environment. I was doing a lot of, I was doing screen printing and then I was doing a lot of digital work and both are quite restricted. So like screen printing, you have to get everything just right. You know, there's a lot of precision involved in it. And then like with the digital work, again, you're inside. So it was moving to Port Levin and then going out with my sketchbook, I think really just helped me so much. I felt like I could breathe. <laughs> I was like, <gasps> I, I can breathe again. And I started, like you say, it was because of, it felt like a rest. I know I, I, it, it gave my brain space. And that's when I also started vlogging. I started my YouTube channel um, from that. And new things, new shoots started coming in to my creative practice. So the sketchbooks and the the workshops, doing workshops. Again, I hadn't done workshops for six years and they started coming again. And it kind of was a little reboot, I think, because I was able to be in a space to, yeah, just rest a bit. So, yeah, I definitely think you're right with that. 
talk a little bit about your YouTube channel and your vlogs. Well, um, I started that, like I said, uh, YouTube channel in 2017. We're in the process of moving. I wanted to kind of document it a bit. So you can see in vlog number one, <laughs> me, <laughs> me talking, I think, about moving and the process. But also I wanted to be in a position where I could talk to camera and not get tongue-tied. I, I was found that very hard to do, to actually just talk and communicate. So I, I felt like that would be a good thing to, yeah, just get used to that. And yeah, so in, in, I think in my first blog, I said I sounded like a robot because I did feel like a robot. And yeah, it was also about connecting, connecting with other creative people and yeah, building a little community of people. And then you started filming YouTube. these creative conversations as well, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And that was, I don't know how I got that idea, but again, it just, I, I used to do a lot of craft fairs and the, um, because well, I sold my screen printed products at craft fairs and my favorite bit about doing those craft fairs was talking to the other sellers and finding out their stories, finding out where they were from, what they did. And I guess that's what I wanted to capture through doing the creative conversations was actually find out the person behind the product. So often we see the final product, we see the final print or illustration we don't they, we don't see where they made it or how they made it or their thinking behind it so that was why I wanted to do a visual piece because I wanted to go and film them where they were in their natural habitat what did their room look like how does their studio look you know where do they get their inspiration and all of that it's so fascinating to hear that side of it and so that's what sparked the creative conversations. And yeah, they're really enjoyable to do. I um, love that so much. I love seeing the studio space. Yeah. And also, I guess for me as well, it gave me practice at filming and knowing how to interview people and uh, again, speaking on camera, being able to present that kind of thing. It was all, again, learned as I went along. So how to use uh, video editing software, that kind of thing. It was a whole kind of learning as you do it. But that's the best way for me. I learn when I'm put in a pressure situation. When I have to do something, that's when I learn. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah. I, hopefully we can start those again because obviously COVID again has kind of stopped, stopped that. I then went on and did a podcast with with my friend Natasha Newton and you know that's been really nice to do to collaborate with her on. Tell us about that. Yeah so um, Natasha Newton she is a painter and she does these really lovely folk folky um, landscapes and I kind of met her online through Instagram. I think she actually did find me through my creative conversations or knew of me through that. And then I saw that she was coming to Cornwall on holiday and I was like, ooh, I wonder if she would want to meet up with a random 
um, I texted, I got a message her and she was like, oh, okay. So we did, we arranged a meetup and we met in a pub in House Efron Inn, not far from where I am. It was a wild and wet day. And in the pub, I met her with her fiance, Dominic. And uh, I, I, I said to her, do you want to do a podcast together? At your first meeting, the first time <laughs> yeah. you met her in person? Yeah. How great of you. That's wonderful. Boy, you really push yourself outside your comfort zone. I love it. I love it. Love it. Mm. Okay. The podcast is called Creative Catch-Up. So keep yes. talking about it. Sorry. Yeah, creative catch-up. Basically, me and Natasha talk about our struggles. We talk about um, running a creative business. We share advice, tips, and basically a look behind the curtain of running a, a creative business. Both Natasha and I have been doing this for a while, so we felt like we had some things we could share that might be useful. And yeah, it's been it was really good, or has been really good to talk to her, especially during this time with um, lockdown and we found that we've been able to connect with a lot of other artists yeah it's been really nice actually to do so we've just done two seasons and we're having a little break at the moment but we hope to um, in our next season start talking to other artists so invite artists onto the show and uh, find out a bit about them and how they run their business oh so, yes there is not enough time in the world to interview all of the artists that I want to interview. We need more people doing podcasts about artists out there because there's just so many awesome, amazing people. Yes, we need to cover all bases, don't we? Absolutely. <laughs> is there a creative practice that you have rethought over the past year with this lockdown that you've been in? Hmm. When lockdown first happened and all my workshops were cancelled, obviously, and then I lost, or not lost, but uh, illustration work wasn't coming in. So I knew I had to do something, you know, drastic to <laughs> to keep some funds coming in. So basically I moved into the online side of teaching. And for the first three or four months, I did a lot of online Zoom workshops and connected with people through zoom and that kind of opens up another dimension doesn't it when you feel that you've actually got another tool that you can use to talk to anyone anywhere we used to well I I was running like these Saturday morning workshops and there was a lady who joined us from the states and so can you imagine it was 10 in the morning UK time oh no and she was joining, it was ridiculously early for her. <laughs> oh, that's only like 5 a.m. Okay, yeah. that's not so bad. <laughs> it's still early, but I was like, wow, that's, it's amazing though that you can connect with so many different people and, you know, the world's your oyster, as they say. So yeah, that's opened up a, a different uh, side of it. I'm not doing it so much at the moment, although I have got a actually someone this week who's going to be doing a, a workshop with me online. I had the opportunity in 2020 to uh, do a domestic course, which was teaching online, um, do, doing a whole program 
where I would be talking to the camera about my practice and then teaching. And that was just, again, completely different to what I've done before. Yeah, exciting that was. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with social media? My relationship? (laughs) Yeah. How do you feel about Instagram and whatever other social media things that you engage in? Well, last year I did a daily project which involved doing a postcard every single day. (laughs) And Ah. I had decided, not sure if it was that wise or not, to post every single day as well on Instagram. And just for accountability purposes, my... (laughs) If I had thought about it a bit more, maybe I could have like saved up my posts, you know, and just gone, I'll just do them once a week. And then, but no, I thought I'd post every single day. (laughs) (laughs) So if you look back at my feed, you'll see like black and white postcards for the whole of 2020. Um, And yes, it was good to do it. But at the same time, it did make me kind of like, uh, I don't want to do another Instagram post ever again. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it, it connected me with a lot of people. Mm. I can see the positive side of it and how you can build these connections with people through consistently posting. And yeah, you like with YouTube, for instance, there's moments I can see on my channel where I kind of have stepped back a bit and I haven't been posting consistently. And then other times where I have, and then you see growth because you're posting consistently and people can, they feel that you're there. So yeah, it's, it is a bit up and down, but I'm trying now just to hold it a bit more lightly as well. I don't want to just be staring at my phone the whole time or looking at whether someone's liking it or whether I've got engagement or not, because at the end of the day, I've got to just get on. You know, I I don't want to just be looking at my screen the whole time. So I'm trying to just hold it lightly. But then if I have something I want to say and I think it will be beneficial, then I'll post it and put it on. And I am actually enjoying YouTube at the moment, you know, just sharing um, especially the more fine art stuff. And on my YouTube is probably where I share more of that than my digital side because it is me exploring, it's me trying out mediums, it's me taking you on a walk. And I really like that side of it, being able to take people um, yeah, on a walk with me and, and get them to see the environment that I'm in. So can I ask you a behind-the-scenes question? Mm-hmm. So all of those wonderful videos that I've seen of you taking lovely walks, obviously you're not filming yourself that whole time. Yes. You are? <laughs> yeah. Okay. How do you film yourself <laughs> like walking down the path? Do you have a tripod? And yeah. uh, uh, is this just showing my ignorance again about how people make YouTube videos? <laughs> I just it really the- looks so professional. Like you have someone behind you going, okay, go up on that rock. No, tilt a little to the left. That's perfect. I, you do a really, really good job. They're it, beautiful. I guess it just takes a bit of time. And it does mean that it's, you know, you normally spend, it's better, you probably spend more time just 
working out the angles and working out where you've got to go and you know what you don't see is like so I've like set up the tripod and I've like walked and then you know you see that walking away into the distance and then what you don't see is be running all the way back to go and get the camera <laughs> before the rain comes pelting down or the yeah, wind or blows before, it over <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I I know it's a yeah it's definitely not glamorous although it might look that way it's not it's it, uh it looks so peaceful and lovely that's what I want to create I want to give that kind of make people feel relaxed I want people to it is almost like going back to my degree you know when I studied installation and that was all about getting people to come into an environment to be affected by it you know maybe with soundscapes that they might hear or the colors that they see or the objects that are there it's a little bit like that that's what I enjoy about film is that you're able to transport people into another environment and I yeah I really love that how do you engage with your audience on YouTube or on Instagram? I guess I just share what I'm doing or I'm thinking like maybe I might think about what is it that I want to talk about and then just try and convey that as I don't always like using the word authentic but yeah you know, oh, it, I know because it, it, it's, it's used loaded. so much now <laughs> I don't know how else to say it though but you know in my voice I want to try and talk to people in my voice and let them in let them in to what I'm doing do you get a lot of engagement from other people responding to you directly yeah yeah ex yeah so I always think it's important to respond to comments and to also then look at what other people are doing who are engaging with me I do try to do that sometimes that's not always possible just because of the nature of you know going down a rabbit hole and not being able to get out so <laughs> you have to limit yourself at times but I definitely am interested in people and if people are interested in me then I I, I think it's important that I you know show interest in them yeah I yeah it's just got to be yourself I guess and can you talk a little bit about your studio beautiful drawings sketches paintings up on the wall yes so I've decided to put them all up on my wall at the moment because it gives me a lot of um, joy to do that normally I work or last year I was working with my postcards and then I was working in my sketchbook so I didn't have a lot of pieces that are outside of my sketchbook so this year I've been making an effort to, to create more work that is on its own and so once I've done it I just stick it on the wall just to kind of remind me that that's there that's happening and also it feels like I've got a bit of outside inside yeah and then the rest of the other side I've just got books and my art materials and you know printer and desk and paper and binders that kind of thing admin stuff but I have so this table here I use it as my analog table and then the one that I'm talking to you has got my computer on and my you know Wacom digital stuff I've got a scanner as well underneath so it's very compact this space but it's 
it's used well. Yeah, every every bit has its place. <laughs> and the natural world is also your studio. Yes, that's true as well. Yeah, and and that's a good way to think about it. We don't really have a garden as such to go out and relax in. So, yeah, I, I love being able to just go out and with my sketchbook. I, and when you go out, you don't need a lot. You don't need a whole suitcase. I just take my my bag that I can sling over my shoulder and then pencil case and sketchbook. And I take one of those water brushes so the water is in the brush handle. And that means you don't have to take jars of water. Is there something in your studio that you can't live without? At the moment, it would be my computer. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> if I don't have my computer, I can't do my illustration work but um, and communicate with people. So, Do you have a uniform? Do I have a uniform? <laughs> this is the weirdest question ever. I know. You'd be surprised what I have out. a uniform for going outside. <clears throat> Tell us about it. Uh, well, I have some really great trousers that are not trendy at all. And um, they keep keep me dry. So I also have wear a thermal, which is very important as well, especially as most of the year it is, you know, quite cool. Mm -hmm. And you've got the wind, that aspect. Living on the peninsula, it is windy. It is very windy. And obviously hat. I've also just got a new windproof jacket. So... That's really cool. I'm like, need to test it a bit more. And waterproof, decent shoes, walking boots. They are very important because, you know, it's not going to be comfortable. But um, when you're outside, it's, you're not always going to be, you know, really warm or, but I try and keep, make sure I stay dry. So that's the important thing. And I've got fingerless gloves as well that I wear kind of like a uniform isn't it uh-huh for sure is there something going around in your head that's going to provoke the next creative series or project I mean one thing I want to do is try to um so I have lots of ideas and some of the ideas you know I will act on and others I don't what I do want to do, though, if, if I start start a project, I want to see it through to completion. And so so with the postcard project that I did last year, so I've got all of these postcards, although I have been selling them as well. So, But I scanned every single one in, so I have them all on file. And what I want to do is just to make it into a product. I want to make them into a postcard book. So... I think sometimes I don't want to take on more before I actually finish and complete um, a project that I, I've started already. So that is one thing that I need, I know I want to do, is to come to completion on that postcard project. And another one is these, these pictures. I feel like I want to do more of them, but again, they've got to, at some point, come together in either I'm thinking either a calendar or either a, some kind of prints or or something like that. I want to give them or an exhibition even that would be cool. 
I want to have a, an end point for these things that I'm doing. So, yeah. I would love to see those in an exhibit and just walk through and immerse myself in the experiences that you have had walking around yeah. Cornwall and the lizard and, oh, that'd be wonderful yeah. to see them all in one place. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause uh, last year as well, I did a residency at Polpior, which is on the, the lizard peninsula. It's the um, furthest point certainly. I didn't say that very well. Most southerly point on the Lizard Peninsula. <laughs> and although we were meant to be doing it actually physically there because of COVID, we weren't able to, but I still decided to take a week to do it. So I researched a lot of the flowers. I researched a lot of the the environment and the rocks and the geology of the place. And then I created every day um, something that I from that place so I've got like this scene I did put it on my YouTube channel kind of a day by day thing that I created but I've got this scene that I've created and then um, a sketchbook with images that I've created from it and so again that is something I would love to be able to show it and I think like you were saying it's all connected to the lizard peninsula so along with these along with some of the postcards along with that it would be nice to be able to kind of see it all together in a collection along with the sketchbooks. So, yeah, it would be nice. Got to all work right. on that. Okay, one last question. What does success look like for you? Ah. <laughs> living a living a creative life, being able to hmm, I try not to answer without sounding cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just finding contentment in the life that I lead and finding joy in the mundane things. That's beautiful. Is that enough? Yes, more than enough. Okay, are you ready for your rapid fire questions? Yeah. Okay, uh, number one, if you could sit down with another artist and have a conversation like this one, who would you ask? I was going to say, can they be dead? Yes. Yes, absolutely. This is going to sound really random. And I had thought about it, but Bob Ross. Ah, oh, yes. Bob <laughs> Ross. Excellent answer. He's, he just is, um, he's so calming the way that he presents. And uh, he always likes to say, I'm just going to put some happy little trees. Just have some happy little trees here. I love the happy little trees. What would you ask him? I'm not sure what I would ask him. I just would like to meet him. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to meet him at this side, but, you know, I might. But, yeah, I don't know what I'd ask him. I, I found, What I found interesting was that I found that he was an Air Force. Um, he was in the Air Force, and he was a master, what are they called, master sergeant or a sergeant. And so he was like a drill sergeant. So he would he would be the person who would be telling, you know, the recruits to to clean the toilets or to you know shapen up or that and can you imagine him doing that no so it, it just sounds really strange doesn't it it's like completely opposite to his really soft voice so I just found that interesting to read that he he that was his experience um 
and also I like his method as well of just painting wet and wet and how much he can achieve in 30 minutes. And again, it's I feel like it's very similar to my sketching in that you just capture the objects, you just get it done and you do it and you don't you don't overthink it. You're not trying to draw every um, everything down beforehand. You just do it. So I just quite like the way he works. And he seems to be getting resurgence at the moment for some reason. He, I think it's uh, because he's very much, you know, the AS, what's it, a, ASMR crowd really enjoy him because his soft voice and his mm-hmm. very calm mm-hmm. demeanor. I have to confess, I did buy a few Bob Ross stickers last year. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um. All right. Describe a favorite outdoor spot. I know you have many. I do have many. I'll talk about one that I saw today, which I really thought I'm going to film here. I've got to film here. Basically, uh, it's not far from where I live and you go up a really tiny little dirt track. And as you go up the dirt track on either side, because it's spring here now, we've got the wild gorse bushes coming into blossom so you've got the yellows really bright yellows and then you've also got the blackthorn so really um white blossom that's coming out and so you go up this dirt track and it's really narrow rocky and then you've got these flashes of color on either side it's so beautiful and then you walk up and then it kind of plateaus and you take a little uh, little turn to the left and there's this outcrop of rocks. The rocks have got lichen and moss on. And then you, you go to the this area and you've just then got this view that you can see 360 around you. And you can just see the flashes of the gorse and the blackthorn. So you've got whites, yellows, and then greens, and then a few little houses and trees. And then you can see the sea. And it's just such a nice little place. I just can't wait to to actually go there and sketch and and also film. So that's a favorite or looks like a favorite location for me at the moment. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, looking forward to seeing that on YouTube. <laughs> Tell us about a comfort food for you. Okay, home cooked food, that's what I like, but in particular, I love love salad and I'm not just talking like you know, green leaves and tomatoes. I'm talking like I love the places that do lots of different salads, you know, like there might be a carrot and coriander salad. There might be, you know, bulgur wheat and and spices salad. There might be Mediterranean tomatoes and olives and, you know, all these little, oh, I just love it. Just like, just give me a plate full of these lots of different salads and then maybe maybe a bit of fish salmon that kind of thing um, and a husk of bread and I will be happy with that that is so nice and then and there's a if you do come to Cornwall or you come to the Lizard Peninsula there's an amazing cafe Fat Apples Cafe they serve this kind of food so they do amazing dishes so definitely find that. Thank you for the tip. I hope to visit next year. All right. Last question. Mm -hmm. What three words best describe 
your creative practice? Okay. Oh, I have written quite a few words, but I can only pick three. So (laughs) I would have to say playful, evolving, and lively. Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you so much (laughs) for talking with me and sharing everything that you're doing and behind the scenes. Uh, I learned so much today and now I have many more places that I need to visit when I come to Cornwall next time. Okay. Tell our listeners where to find you. You can find me online in all of the social media places, Instagram, Melanie underscore Chadwick. And then of course, hop over to my YouTube account, which you can find again, just by putting in Melanie Chadwick. And then I've got my website. So my illustration portfolio website is melaniechadwick.com and then my workshop where you can see all my postcards is melaniechadwick.co.uk I'll put all those links in the show notes along with a link to your podcast with Natasha creative catch up yes absolutely (laughs) go listen it's wonderful it's soothing And it's a great companion for when you're in the studio. So thank you so much for showing up. I really, really, really appreciate getting to know you. Thank you, Margaret. It's been a pleasure. Okay. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Here are the takeaways. Number one, letting go of how something should look can diminish your perfectionist tendencies. Number two, having an anchor allows you to feel free to go and explore and engage your curiosities. Number three, the wrong way is not doing it at all. Number four, Melanie says, my whole senses are awakened when I'm out in the wild. It makes me feel alive when I experience what's going on around me and being in the moment. Number five, it's not always the end result. It's the process of making and creating. Number six, My faith doesn't restrict me. It helps take away that fear that I might have of exploring the unknown. And number seven, success is finding contentment in the life that I lead and finding joy in the mundane things. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, acknowledge the mess and keep going. Have a great week.